Hello, my friends. I, uh, I wanted to start this podcast with some kind of comical song like The Final Countdown or School's Out for Summer, uh, since this is my, my last podcast with you, but it's an ambiguous gray area whether you can play uh, copywritten songs inside a podcast or not, so I decided not to. Um, but yeah, this is, this, is the final, this is the final chapter for me here at Life Church. Um, this is the 78th episode of the podcast, and it's crazy to think that this has been going for over a year now, and I'm so thankful that I got to be a part of it, and I'm thankful that uh, you guys are listening to it and engaging with it online. Truly, um, this has been one of the funnest parts of my job over the past year or so, and um, I'm just encouraged by where Life Church is and, and where we're going, and you know, I've spent four and a half years here and I've seen a lot of change and a lot of uh, different faces throughout the years but the one constant thing has been life change and and God taking a hold of people's lives and I just want to leave you with that encouragement that that's been the through line here in my time here and as I'm moving on um, I'm definitely going to miss Life Church I'm going to miss a lot of people at Life Church um, and I'm going to miss just being able to see everybody in person I miss that already (laughs) but um you guys are in good hands with Jared. Um, you're going to get the deep, froggy uh, tones of Jared's voice in the front of these podcasts, and he's going to be able to give you way better insights than I ever was. So um, thanks for everybody that's ever listened. I appreciate it. Please continue to listen. Please continue to, to subscribe and all that stuff that we say. Um, but yeah, um, without further ado, here's Nathan with his message. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. My name is Nathan, and I'm one of the pastors here, and if you're checking us out for the very first time, I'm grateful that you are here. In fact, if you could put I'm new down in the comments or fill out a connect card on our now page, that would be great. We want to partner with you. We're excited that you are here. You belong. Every week we have someone who's brand new show up and some of them choose to get involved and we would love to help you if you're interested or just let you know that we see you, that you're seen, um, and it's kind of nice to be seen in the time that we're in right now. Do me a favor, if you would, please share this. Share this with everybody on social media. Even if it's later in the week, you can share it there as well on our podcast or you can do it on Facebook Live or YouTube or however you're watching this, share it because it makes a difference. People's lives are transformed when they hear the word of God and we actually have evidence that's happening right now, even in the season that we're in. Do you know we have a podcast? Man, I love listening to podcasts when I'm working on the house or I'm going for a walk outside, which I seem to be doing a lot of lately. We have a podcast, and it's not just our Sunday sermon. There's content that's added to it during the week as well. You can hear from some of our pastors, and I find it great. Most people love to listen to podcasts, so download and subscribe so that you can hear everything that we are putting out. Now, I have a question for you, and it's kind of interesting and weird and has relevance later, but what's your favorite beverage? Like, what's your favorite thing to drink? It's kind of an odd question, but what do you love to have? Maybe you don't have to have it all the time, but something that you love, like, is it Coke or Pepsi or Fago? Like, what's your favorite there? Or, or maybe it's coffee, black and fancy and pretentious, like, I like it, you know, like, pour-overs and that kind of thing. Or maybe it's, I like cream and sugar with a coffee flavor from, from Starbucks. Uh, no, no judgment. What, what's your favorite drink? You can 
think about that, right? Maybe it's water, or I love the taste of water after a workout, but what is it? Think about that for a moment. Now, if you could, put yourself in that moment. When I, uh, I only used to have Coke uh, one time um, every week during football season, and it's when we ordered pizza, had a Coke, and watched football. Now, you know I was watching the Ohio State Buckeyes, and I hope in the fall I can watch them again. But there is this moment, this feeling. So take that drink in your mind and, and put yourself in it. Maybe it's a can. I just want you to imagine you're, you're popping it open, and it has that, that crisp sound, and then you hear the fizz come out of it. Now, why am I doing this? Because you know, didn't, may not know, that you can actually re-experience things for the first time, that if you imagine something and notice how the, the can feels in your hand or, or how it feels when you take that first sip and the bubbles that go down, that, that as you start to imagine that, that feels and the textures and the smells, that your brain begins to relive that moment. In fact, a way to help people grow in their awareness of what's going on is to re-experience something for the very first time, to imagine as if you've never had it before. And in it, there is a little bit of rediscovery. It actually does stuff to your brain, which I think is incredible. Why am I talking about that? Because I want you to have a fresh experience right now. Not of your favorite drink, but I want you to have a fresh experience of something. What is it? I want you to experience for the first time or maybe re-experience the love of a God for you. We talk about how God loves you. Maybe you've heard that before and you've never experienced it. Or maybe you know that, but you've been in this a long time and you haven't felt the love of God in a while. What does that mean? Well, it's this feeling of belonging, of safety, of acceptance. Excitement, butterflies in your stomach sometimes, but other times just purpose. This feeling you get, these emotions you get, the confidence that you have when you know that someone loves you. You can experience the love of God in a fresh way today. Ah, this is what I want for you today, to experience the love of God in a fresh way. In fact, I want every one of us, no matter where you're at or when you're watching this, to experience an overflow of love. I want to talk about some of the things that are getting in the way, and then we're going to dive into the Word of God, and I want to show you where I see this and help you experience it as well. What happens to keep you from experiencing this love is, one, not knowing that it's there, and I'm going to show you how it is, but also we can get stuck. And we've been learning in this series that sometimes we get stuck in achieving, trying to do more and more and more, the, the grind of never measuring up. We get stuck in the past and nostalgia and the way things used to be in our work and our family. We get stuck in division and prejudice. Do you feel that right now? Do you feel stuck in that right now? the hurt of more racial injustice or the frustration of the division in our state, in our country, and how things should be handled, the division in our very families. We get stuck in it, and it saps us of it, and we get stuck in brokenness, sadness, and pain of being in these cycles of brokenness where one thing leads to another. These things keep us from a fresh experience of God's love that drives us forward. Today, no matter how you feel stuck, this message about how God wants to overwhelm you and overwhelm the things keeping you from experiencing his love. 
Being overwhelmed doesn't always feel good. In this way, being overwhelmed by the love of God is exactly what we need to move forward. We're in Ephesians, and in week one, Paul is writing a letter about the love of God. We began to talk about his aim, and Daniel talked about how he wanted to impart grace and peace, and that's what happens when we experience the love of God. We experience grace, and we have a feeling of peace. In week two, I talked about how in one single run-on sentence, he reminded them of what they have when they accepted Christ, when they were chosen in Christ, that they got to awaken to it. It's not because they achieved it, but because they awakened to what Christ has done for them. In week three, Pastor Jared showed us that Paul was trying to help the Ephesians and un- uh, help the Ephesians and us understand that this world, there's something going on that that we can't see for ourselves. He put a magic eye uh, picture up. And the magic eye picture is you look at it and if you stare long enough, you could see an image coming out and Jared hates it. And he's one of the things I hate too because I can't see what's going on in that picture. But he said that I often can if someone points it out. And Paul was saying, there's a truth in this world that we cannot see unless he points it out for us so we can awaken to what he is doing. In week four, we'll move on in just a second, but I want you to know that it's kind of split into two, Ephesians 1 through 3 and 4 through 6, and we're finishing up the first half today. Now, what is the first half? What is its thesis? What is it trying to communicate? Well, Paul is trying to communicate that Jesus is the most powerful person in the universe. Jesus is the most powerful person in the universe, and he's exercised his power to save you. The first half is all about what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And in it, and we started talking about it in week four, he put forward three proofs, three ways in which Jesus is doing something incredible. In week four, we learned that number one, he brings life to dead things. He shows how much he loves you and he proves it that he is powerful by bringing to life dead things, spiritually dead things he brings to life that no longer our flesh drives us, but we are driven by new life. I talked about how you were made for what comes next, that he had jobs for you to do, that he wasn't surprised by what we're experiencing in our world right now, whether it's dams or or pandemics, that he knew it would be coming and that he had a purpose for you in Christ and he made you for what comes next. He made our children for what comes next. And so I asked you this question. By the way, my second question to you is, did you do this? Did you decide what to keep? Did you decide what to add? Did you decide what to remove? Did you use this pandemic as a time to reevaluate what God wants to do through you? And did you keep something? Are you adding something? Or are you removing something from your life? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go onto our podcast or to our website and look back at week four of this series, Ephesians Chosen in Christ, and learn about this process that helps position us to experience what God has for us. And week five, last week, His second proof came. He takes hostile communities and he unites them. A proof in the world that Jesus is moving is he takes people who can't be together and he puts them together and binds them together in Christ. And Pastor Daniel talked about that. And he does it by giving us peace. 
that God unites us in Christ and gives us peace. And he asked this question, what do you find peace in? April was the deadliest month in Michigan in a century. Where's your peace? Who's given you peace in the midst of that reality? Today, we're going to go through Ephesians 3. The first half of it, I won't have time to go through today, but I'm going to explain what's going on because it's his third proof that God uses the weak to transform the world, which is good news for you and me because sometimes I feel pretty weak. Paul might have been discounted when he's writing this letter because people around him in Ephesus, the people he wrote it to, they liked people with knowledge, influence, and power. And Paul is writing this in jail. And so he wants to convince them that Jesus is the most powerful person in the world, and he does it by owning the fact that he is in a position of weakness, that he's in jail. In fact, Paul's entire ministry is bracketed by hardship. I'm a prisoner. prisoner. I've gone through hardship. He was killed for his beliefs. And the people in Ephesus might have been saying, whoa, following God might mean jail time? Yeah, sometimes following God means you do things that other people don't understand or don't like. Instead of Paul accepting that weakness and just saying, hey, don't ignore that and ignore that, he embraces it and says, no, only God could use weak things to transform the world. He says, my weakness shows his power. See, if Paul was an impressive, charismatic leader, now we talk about Paul almost as if he was Jesus, that's for church people, but he wasn't, and and we love him, but we know that he had some inconsistencies and some issues in the past. In fact, he wasn't a super impressive, charismatic leader. If he was, it would make sense why this Christian faith came out of nowhere with the Gentiles, because they had this amazing, charismatic leader who pushed it through and had all the talent in the world. But because he was weak, there's only one answer for why it worked. God. I don't want what we do at Life Church to be about my success, my charisma, the other pastor's charisma, their ability, their skills. I want it to be because of my weakness. God uses the weak things. And when he uses someone who's weak, The only thing that happens is God gets the glory. People look beyond the weak person to the strength behind them. And I love that. My weakness shows his power. Did you know that we are the people of God? If you're just tuning in and and you don't know Christ yet, this is for you. But for those of us who do, that God wants to use us to manifest his kindness and wisdom in the world, he wants to use you, the weak you, the part that's, that's not great. And as we unite together under Christ, just like Pastor Daniel was telling us about, despite our differences, despite our brokenness, our sins, our lack of dedication, our, our inability to do the things that we're supposed to do, in our weakness, when we unite together, we are proof that God is wise. He brings glory to himself because only he could do it. Don't you want to be part of a church that is only successful because of God's intervention through our weakness? Don't you want to be part of a church that people look at and go, 
God is doing something. Not their skills, not their abilities, but God is doing something. Don't you want to be people of a presence? Oh, I want to. I do too. Because it, I hope you do too, because it allows us to be bold and move forward. Why do I share all this? Well, these three proofs prove the first half. And then he uses that to pray for the Ephesians. And that's what we're going to do next. Before we get there, I want to talk about one verse in this section of chapter 3, 1 through 13. Just one verse, and then we're going to spend our time on the second half as we close through this entire first half of the letter. Ephesians 3.12 says this, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom in confidence. Chosen in Christ, right? In him and faith in him, believing in what he has done. Those are the prerequisites. That's it. We may approach God. Not just we may approach God, but we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is huge. God, he has a throne room. He is like the biggest royalty you can ever imagine. He's the king of the universe, and we are allowed to approach him. Instead of being destroyed by his presence and his awe and glory, we can go to him because of Christ. This is by far one of the biggest things that we can possibly have. I I try to explain it in, in two ways. One, the queen, right? We have the queen of England, you know, God save the queen, whatever. She has some rules as when you approach her. Now, if you go on the website, it actually says, no, there's no real rules. But in reality, there is. There's a lot of rules, things you can and cannot do. Don't touch her elbow. Don't do this. Don't eat that. Don't go here. And it's, it's a long, long list. It's an unwritten rules of approaching royalty. And if you don't know those rules... How apprehensive would you be? In fact, I have a question to help you understand this. My third question, have you ever been apprehensive or scared or worried when approaching a parent or a teacher or a boss or someone of power or a celebrity or someone you've looked up to? Have you ever felt apprehensive? Why? Why? Now take all those emotions and imagine going after God, approaching him. Does it magnify it? It could. It definitely could. See, when we have all these rules on us, it's really hard to live up to them. And Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, they literally just left. They're like, okay, I'm done with this royalty, all the rules. I mean, I I just saw like gossip columns and everything about how she was doing everything wrong. And eventually they're like, forget it, we're going to Canada. And that's where they're at. They couldn't handle it. And often as Christians, we feel like we can't handle it. We view God like a king, and he is, and he is holy And we feel like we have to do and approach him just right. We have to bow the right way, do the same thing, don't do this, don't do that, get the prayers just right, make sure the words are theologically correct, confess every single little sin or thing we've ever done, give enough, do enough to approach him. And even then, God can seem like he is a fickle monarch, prone to anger. But what do we just see? We just saw (laughs) that we can approach him with freedom and confidence. And I want you to experience God in a fresh way today, full of love. But you have to believe, Paul, when he says that you can approach the king with confidence and freedom because Christ has covered you. 
Some of us get stuck in this fear and awkwardness in approaching God. And I'm telling you, approaching God and being with him is one of the most important things you can ever do. And I hope that I can explain it this way. When I was in basic training, um, I had a staff sergeant and we were getting near the end. And I've told stories about it, but one of the ones that stuck out to me as well is he was talking about family members and who was coming. This is near the end. We basically graduated. We were just waiting for graduation. And he said, who's coming? And I said, oh, you know, my dad and my mom are going to come, which was great. They came down to see me and came all the way to do that. That was important to me. And uh, he says, oh, what does he do? And he says, oh, he's a, he's a colonel in the Air Force. And I literally watched my staff sergeant face go slack. He got white and then he got red. And then he started to get very angry with me. And he said, why didn't you tell me that your father was a colonel? See, respect for authority, respect for the officers is a big deal. And a colonel is just a step below a general. We were taught to fear them to do whatever they said. And in my mind, I didn't make the connection. See, he's my father, not the colonel. And the staff sergeant was freaking out so much. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? Uh, and, and he's like, is he coming? And all this, that I called my dad and I said, dad, hey, you can come, but don't wear your uniform. My staff sergeant's gonna lose his mind. <laughs> See, I didn't even think about it. He was my father. And I didn't want to take advantage of the fact that he was a colonel and had influence in the Air Force. No, no, no. But as I think about that, I want you to think about that too. That your father, if you believe in Christ, is king of the universe. What kind of swagger does that put into you? What kind of security does that put into you? This is what it means and why we talk about you belong. You belong because of who you belong to because your Father in heaven loves you, you belong. And we can't move forward into what he's saying needs to come next until you understand that, that you belong. Let's get to the meat of what we want to talk about today, Ephesians 3, 14 through 16. All of this, for this reason, for all the things, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray, here it is, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He wants to strengthen you with power for something, right? Through his spirit who is in you. If we have the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit inside of us when we accept Jesus Christ, and it's the way that he moves and communicates and does through us. When I see this, he may strengthen you with power. I'm always thinking, for what? Why does he want this power for us? Why is Paul on his knees praying for this? Let's continue on in verse 17. What's the next thing, the next job? Okay, all of this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, okay? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, there's that word again, together with all the Lord's holy people. I want to pause right here power again. For what? Why, why do we need this power? Before we get that, being rooted and established in love. What does this mean? Well, this is a, a biological thing and a, and a structural thing. Rooted, biological, established, structural. He's saying, I want you to put roots down into Christ's love for you. I want you to put your roots down deep 
and to the love of God. When you have a good root system, you can do incredible things. The redwoods in California, which I've been able to see, they dwarf you. You walk in and you look up and you are just overwhelmed. They are so big that they cut tunnels for cars and roads through them. Why? Because their root systems are deep. So he wants you to be rooted and established in love. There's this structural nature to it, this way that we think. He says he wants you to have this in their heart. Why? Again, to have power for something. And I'm asking the question, what does he want us to have power for? Let's move on to 18b here. I want you to have all this to grasp, to hold on, to grip how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I want you to feel a fresh experience of the love of God. But he is saying that you don't, on your own, have the power to grasp it. He wants them to be rooted in love, to experience deeper love. How wide and long and high and deep. The reality is to try to comprehend the being of God The love of God is a mind-stretching, a mind-breaking exercise. And in fact, an endowment of spiritual power. Paul is saying an endowment of spiritual power, a gift of power needs to be given to you. It's necessary for you to even attempt to understand the love of God for you. (laughs) Paul prays through the Spirit which is in you. That power would flow through the Spirit into you so that you can grasp the love of God for you. What? (laughs) What? This is incredible to me. When I think about time and I think about eternity and I try to grasp it, there's a moment when my brain literally just goes, I can't, I can't. Okay, thinking about forever, and then uh, I almost get there, and then it's like there's a break because I'm a time-bound being. In the same way, the love of God, which is wide and long and high and deep, is un- it's unknowable without the power of God. It's ridiculous to me, but yet it seems to make sense. I need power from God to experience the love of God. yes. And in this place of love, as you explore the depths of it, the height of it, we're receiving this nutrients and power through the love. Incredible. Without Christ's intervention and being rooted and established in that relationship, we cannot grasp the mind-breaking love of God. He goes even farther to say this in verse 19. And to know this love, which we've already acknowledged, surpasses knowledge. It's beyond what we can comprehend. Then he goes on to say that you may be filled. Oh, go back down. There we go. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what I want you to know. That he wants you to grasp his love and be filled. Do you want some of this love? In fact, do you want a fresh experience of love? Do you? Now you can say simply yes or no. Or don't answer it in the comments or don't write it down. But then maybe ask this question. What does a church or community with this kind of love look like? Because I think it looks incredible. 
This knowledge, right, it's a knowledge that finds its consummation in knowing the love of God. To know the love of Christ involves the personal knowledge of Christ himself and through it the love of God. And this is the highest ambition of Paul. Of all the things that Paul could do, he's planted churches, he's done all these things. What does he want? He wants to know Christ and his love. What's your highest ambition? What is it? Wouldn't it be incredible if we were a church that's highest ambition was to experience the love of God and share it with others? I, I think we're, we're on our way. What if we were a church that was constantly being overwhelmed by the love of God? I want to share something with you as I bring us to what I want for you. And we have received things in Christ. You were chosen in Christ for three things. You were chosen in Christ for three things, and they are true about you. And because of this, uh, it, it changes everything. The first is this. You have union with God. We've just talked about this. You belong. You can approach him. Ephesians 3, 12 says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We just talked about this. You have union with God. There is no longer this break. There's this, no longer this gap, this sin and brokenness in our life that would cause us to just be destroyed by the presence of God because of Jesus Christ allows us to approach his presence. If this was it, that'd be amazing. But you need to know that when you choose Christ, which he has chosen you for, that you have union with God. That means you belong. You can approach the king with freedom and confidence. Second, you have fellowship with him. It's not just that you can approach him, you can know him, that you can know him personally. You have fellowship with God. That's a, that's a big churchy word, fellowship. It means hanging out, being with, knowing deeply, relationship, the best relationship and the deepest relationship you can ever have. Why? So that you could grasp his love. He is the vine, we are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Dwell with me, not just approach me for things, Live with me every moment. We already covered this in 18b. What? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is what we mean when we say encounter Jesus, one of our codes. You belong, encounter Jesus. You should be encountering Jesus day after day after day to be with God, to be with him, to understand him. And finally, the third thing you have because you were chosen in Christ is stewardship. Taking what we have and moving forward. I call this, you were made for what comes next, that we have jobs to do and we gotta see it through. That's stewardship. Stewardship of the, the resource. We take good care of what God has given us, both in, in our skills and abilities, but also in what we do. God has given us that. And steward, ours to steward. Those are the three things that we have with God. In chapters four through six, what we're gonna do next because we're kind of closing this piece off and we're going to start the next one. We're chosen in Christ and then we're going to talk about the next one. We're, we're talking about the doing. We're talking about what comes next. And if you're thinking about our code, we've been talking about you belong. It's time to encounter Jesus. And soon we're going to talk about how we relentlessly pursue one more. How we'll do whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. That we'll multiply and we'll be driven by new life. That's what comes next. And you won't be ready for that. 
You won't be ready for that if you get stuck in the racism, the prejudice, the sin, the nostalgia, the things he's talking about beforehand. If you forget who you are, and he's reminding them who you are because you belong, then there's things to do. You belong first. Paul is saying the only way to experience what comes next is if God gives you the power to experience his love. And that's why I want you to have a fresh experience. So I asked you at the beginning, what's your favorite beverage? And for me, there's two things, coffee and Mountain Dew. I love these things. Coffee, I'm a, I'm a snob about it. I drink more of this than, than this. And this is actually regular Mountain Dew. I don't rarely ever drink regular Mountain Dew because of the sugar inside of it. I drink Mountain Dew Zero. But there's something visceral about it. Just this, oh, man, come on. That's good stuff right there. And some of you, this is polarizing. People just like love Mountain Dew or they think it's for like, it's for trash people. But that's, that's not how I feel about it. I love it. But I'm going to take a little sip too. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's refreshing. That's amazing. That's really sugary too. So I, I love Mountain Dew so much that when I go to Taco Bell or whatever, I go through the line, I tell them to don't, don't put any ice in my drink. Why? Because ice is useless. It just takes up space. I want as much of the liquid there. And if they, they like to put ice all the way to the top and then put like two ounces of drink in there. I'm like, no, 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 give it to me. And, and I'll send it back if they just clearly just didn't even look and do that. But I love being, having a full glass. Do you like that too? So some people, you know, they, they would uh, answer this question, is this glass half empty or half full, right? But I don't want that. I want it to be full, filled all the way up. Like I want every single stinking drop in there. Oh man, and oh, it's just this beautiful bubbles coming out of it. Isn't that incredible? All right, now it's, it, it overflowed just a little bit. Now, is that full? Yeah, that's full. That's about as full as it can possibly get. When we think about God, we think about, man, if we could just be filled all the way up. But is this the fullness of who God is and his love for us? Not even close. See, God doesn't just want to fill us up to the top of what we have, but that he wants to overflow. Now, we've had some, some tragedies in, Mich- in Michigan, and, and we've had some dams that broke, that overwhelmed and overflowed. This is, this is different, but God, he wants to overflow us with his presence. He wants to pour love on us that we can't even contain, that it's too much, that we just keep seeing him experience the love of God over and over and over again. He just keeps pouring it out, and it's almost like we can't handle it. That's what it means to be overwhelmed by the love of God. It's too generous. It's too good. It's too amazing. It can't be contained. There is just too much of the love of God. That's what he wants to do with you. And it's out of this overflow that stewardship comes. It's out of the excess that we love people. I want you to experience the love of God in a new way. A new, powerful way. You can experience the love of God in a fresh way today to experience this overflow, to stop trying to pull from an empty glass and instead 
Love people and do life out of an abundance because God is bigger than you can possibly know. Don't you want to be part of a church that is full? Don't won't you want to be full for your children and your family and your coworkers? Don't you want to overflow with the love of God? I do. And this is what I want for you. So as we finish, I want to give you some action steps to encounter Jesus. Because if you don't fellowship with him, if you don't ex- approach him, you're never going to have what you need for stewardship. See, you belong to encounter Jesus, and out of that overflow, you relentlessly pursue other people, and you multiply, and you do whatever it takes, wherever it takes you, and you bring God glory. That's where it comes from, the overflow. So I encourage you first to memorize Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, and dwell on it. Why do we memorize things? So that we can say we've achieved something? No, so that we can position ourselves. It's like God is overflowing us with his presence, but if we don't step under that faucet, if we don't step into that, we're not gonna experience it, and memorizing scripture allows us to do that. You know what else does? Worship. Worship does. Now, we're gonna worship God in just a moment, and we're gonna sing this song, Here is in Heaven, and maybe you need to dwell on this song every day for a week, the overwhelming, never-ending love of God that surrounds us and allows us to see his kingdom come. I encourage you to dwell and worship God. That's union with him. That's fellowship with him. And it will prepare you for stewarding what he has given you. Third thing that I want you to do is write out a list of gratitude. Every day if you can, but at least tonight, Go home and write down every single thing that you're grateful for, even if it's small. You can thank God for Mountain Dew if that's your thing, but also for your family and the things that he's done. Gratitude changes our hearts and allows us to experience the things we already have. Do you know when you're grateful for something, you get to experience the joy of it twice over, maybe three times over? That's a beautiful thing that a gift can keep giving as long as you appreciate it. I think that's a beautiful thing, and God has given you incredible gifts. And finally, I want you to share your story. On the now page at the bottom, there's something that says, share your story. And this is about how you can overflow. This is how you can help other people experience as well. Go there and share a story of how God is inspiring you, what he's doing, something you've experienced in our ministries or in a small group. You can go on there to brag on someone if you want to, someone you see in the church, whatever. Because what we're doing is we're celebrating that even though we are weak, he is strong through us. I encourage you, please, go share us a story. Don't hold something you see in your heart. Put it out there for all of us so that we can celebrate what God is doing because we are driven by new life. These are the things I want you to do. Pick one. Do it. See what God can do through it. Now, I want to go back to this illustration for just a moment. I want to explain some things to you. I just love making messes. That's good, because God uses messy people. The other thing I like to drink is coffee. Coffee's a a good thing in my mind, and coffee is uh, something I really enjoy. But I want to use this illustration, and and in this illustration, this coffee, this coffee isn't this juicy, wonderful thing. It's, It's all the stuff in our lives that fill up our cup. I love the uh, one proverb about a guy who was just full of himself and he went and just showed everything he could to a martial arts teacher and the martial artist, uh, you know, he's like, I know how to do this and do this and do this. And he goes, will you teach me? 
He says, I'm not going to try to pour into a cup that's already full. And often in our lives, our cup is already full. Don't you feel that way? You're like, Nathan, that's great. You're going to spend time in the word of God. I I struggle to get 15 minutes to myself. I I don't understand this. I I can't make my whole life about the love of God. I've tried that. In fact, I'm feeling shame about not being able to do it right now. Or I don't know where to start. I've got so much in my life, so much fear, so much activity, so much things. And bitterness, I'm just, I'm full. I've got this little margin. I've got just this tiny little margin. I want to give you these action steps for a reason. Because when we experience the love of God, it is what? It's overwhelming. It's overflowing. And so we give him a little bit of time. There we go. Now, it doesn't look much different, does it? It just looks like nasty coffee. But the more we spend time with him, he overflows in us. And what you'll find is that over time, as the love of God comes in, it starts to, look at it, it's even changing right now, that as God continues to pour in, he pushes out a lot of things in your life that used to matter, that used to mean something. He just keeps going and going and going. And what you're seeing is that soon and very soon, you see something that looks a lot more like the love of God than the crap of this world. We tell you to do these things, not so that you can achieve, but that you can encounter, that you can encounter Jesus in a way that transforms you and changes you, and that soon you look a lot like the love of God, and out of this abundance, you love people. My prayer for you right now is that you experience it. If you don't dwell with God, you will drown. God is calling you instead to drown in his love, to breathe it in, to experience it. One that doesn't kill but gives life. There's no stewardship without surrender. And there's no power without passion for Jesus. Let him love you. I want to invite those who don't know Jesus Christ, I want to invite them to know him. Through faith in him, things change. And for you, you might realize for the first time that you don't know God, that you thought you did, but you're realizing it's about this loving relationship. And the idea of God even being approachable is so far from your understanding of the world. No matter what you come from, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, you belong here because God has chosen you. It's time for you to choose him. I want you to pray with me. I urge you to pray with me, to experience a love that's, that's greater than you'll ever know. And you can do that by talking to God. I want to lead you in it. So I'm going to close my eyes. You can close yours if you want, wherever you're at. It doesn't matter. It's not magic. It's not some, you know, spell that we got to do. No, it's, it's just talking to God. He's in the room. He's with you. I encourage you to pray this with me. Close your eyes. Concentrate on him. And you can use my words or something close to it. God, I'm broken. God, I'm full of things. I'm full of it. And I need you to pour your love into me. I know you can only do that if I believe in Jesus Christ. I know that you can only do that if I choose Jesus to follow him.
because Jesus reconnects me to you, to my heavenly Father. He has paid for everything I've ever done. I'm learning that I'm chosen by Christ. So today I choose him. I accept the love. I accept his presence. I will follow him. I will love him to the best of my ability. And I will encounter Jesus every day. Amen. In just a moment, we'll tell you what we'd like you to do if you made that decision. But I want to finish our time before we step into worship by reading the final two verses of the first half, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. <laughs> You've heard this before. This is amazing. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or any of the other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org/now or fill out the form linked in the show notes and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you watched Life Church online for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, for the last time, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.